It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the MLB Pipeline Podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff here with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo, and we've got a uh, something of a special show for you today. Uh, Jim and Jonathan have been quite busy assembling the top 150 draft prospects list. Uh, that list is currently uh, a top 100 list. We will be expanding that list. Well, by the time you listen to this it may already be expanded to 150 Uh, so along with that we're going to do something that we did around this time last year Jim and Jonathan are going to make their picks for the first 20 picks of the draft we'll give you some more details about that as we get into it in just a moment we're also going to take a look at a couple of new top 100 prospects Uh, Seth Corey and Jose Garcia entered the top 100 prospects list over the past week We'll break them down a bit, and then we'll wrap up the show, as we always do, with the mailbag. So, Jim, Jonathan, last year, I think we did this for the first time last year. I don't know if you guys have done it previously on the podcast, but uh, alternating picks. And last year, we determined that Jonathan, by virtue of having a worse year, personally, than Jim, got the first pick. <laughs> and um, I ha- I awarded the first pick this year to Jim, just based on alternating um, I don't know if we want to get into who had the worst year personally between the two let's, of you. Let's so let's let's just give Jim the first pick this year since Jonathan had the last year. I think that was based on your uh, concussion, Jonathan, largely. Your I'll take your word for it. I don't remember much. <laughs> yeah, well, you, yeah, you, you might not. Okay, so the way we'll do this is uh, Jim and Jonathan will just go back and forth to make their picks and Guys, clarify here. This is you're making picks just based on who you would take. You're not trying to suggest this is not a mock draft. You're not trying to suggest who these teams are going to take with these picks, correct? Correct. All right, maybe you don't need to explain it. I just did. All right. It's good that people know because anytime you do one of these, like I I guarantee you that whoever I pick number one, somebody will tweet or write that I projected the pirates to take this guy. So it's good that we explain that even if people won't remember it. All right, here we go. Jim, you are on the clock. Pick number one for the Pirates, but not for the Pirates. Yes, I, I will take Jack Leiter, right-hand pitcher, Vanderbilt. Uh, we need, like, player ID numbers to make this sound official. Um, but, uh, but, no, I'll, I'll take Jack Leiter right now. Um, I, I think things could obviously change. This isn't set in stone. Um you know, I, I guess I'll, I'll squeeze in our little Jack Leiter update. We do every uh, every uh, podcast too. He gave up three home runs this weekend, which is shocking. Those are only three runs he gave up, all of them on fastballs. After we've raved about how unhittable his fastball is, um, but I still think he's the leader in the clubhouse right now. He, he just he can pitch so well with his fastball. He can throw it in the strike zone. 
you know, up until last weekend, nobody really hit his fastball at all. There's a plus curve in there. He's got solid, you know, slider, solid changeup. He's throwing more strikes. As we said, I mean, the only question he needs to answer for scouts right now is, you know, how's this stuff going to hold up? after he pitches 80 or hundred innings. Cause he hasn't done that yet, but, but all the ingredients are there for an impact starter. And, and, and I will say, and I, we're not going to make this a, a three hour podcast, but like there's this, this line of thinking that I've heard multiple people tell me that, Oh, if you're the pirates, you couldn't take, you, you don't want to take Jack later right now because he's almost ready or ready. And, and your team's so bad. You're not ready to contend, which I don't know if you've heard that Jonathan, but it's laughable to me that you would, theoretically take someone you think is is a lesser player because the guy who's better doesn't fit with your timetable. I, I've never heard that one before, but but that 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 theory gets bandied about a little bit right now. It's like the backwards timetable. Because usually it's like, oh, you want to pick the guy who's going to get to the big league fastest because you need to show that you're getting you're getting better. But yeah, I've I've not heard that one. That uh, that would be news to me and I don't think that's what the pirates will do. But that's not what we're doing here. Correct. So I, I'm not worrying about anybody's timetable. Right now, to me, best player in the draft is Jack Leiter. I'm taking Jack Leiter number one. All right. Now, again, we are doing this before we're expanding the list to 150. But in the preseason top 100 list, Leiter uh, was number six. So I think this is probably uh, indicative of a rise that you can see for Leiter in the top 150 as that comes out this week. Uh, Jonathan, you are on the clock with pick number two, which will go to the Rangers this year. Yeah, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go the high school route here, and uh, we'll we'll let the other Vanderbilt pitcher stay on the board for at least a little while longer. I'm gonna take Jordan Lawler, the shortstop from Jesuit Prep in Texas. Um, he has got all the tools. Um, he's gotten a lot of comparisons to Bobby Witt Jr., perhaps unfairly because they're both high school shortstops from Texas, but, uh, he can really hit, uh, it's, you know, it's a real quick swing and an advanced approach. Uh, there's going to be plenty of power, uh, to, to come as he fills out. Uh, he runs well, he can play shortstop. Uh, he'll be able to stay there. Uh, you know, I think all those things, um, you know, point in his favor. Uh, and you know, there are, I think there are a lot of teams who, you know, if you're looking at the best overall player, might pick Jordan Lawler uh, above either of the uh, of the Vanderbilt duo. So, uh, you know, I, I felt like I was in a good position here, kind of waiting to see who Jim would take at number one and, and being able to react accordingly. This, I was just thinking that it's funny how, what, two months ago, uh, everyone was 100% convinced that the Pirates would be taking Kumar Rocker number one overall. It was just like, it's a no-brainer. It's definitely going to happen. And now here we are, just whatever it is, six to eight weeks later, and uh, he's now not one of the first two picks in the draft here. But just goes to show how people can be so convinced that something's going to happen. And then, you know, just after a short period of time, uh, that can change. Not 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 dramatically here, but uh, people, you know, were saying that it was an absolute no-brainer. Uh, now that you're both on the board with a pick, I, I did want to note that last year when we did this, you were pretty, you did, you did a pretty good job. Uh, we did it around this time. So it was about two months prior to the draft of the 20 picks that you made last year. How many of them actually went within the tw- first 20 picks of the draft? Do you know? And we did this 
around the same time? Yeah, I th- yeah, I think it was either this week or maybe would have been what was last week last year. I'm going to say 18. I'm going to say, yeah, I mean, there shouldn't have been that many new faces emerging because nobody was playing, but I will take the slightly under and go, well, I will go 17 for strategic purposes, but I feel like it's 16. It was 17. You, 17 wow. of the players you picked actually went in the top 20 overall. The ones that did not were, you took Jared Kelly, who ended up going 46th, Nick Bitsko, who was 24th, and Tyler Soderstrom, who was 26th. So of the 20 that, that you picked in the first 20 picks last year, all of them did go in the first round. So this this is, uh, you, you did a good job on this last year. It's, it's perhaps a little predictive. Uh, Jim, you are on the clock with pick number three to the Tigers. This one, I mean, it's interesting because one, you know, the first pick was interesting, you know, Leiter versus Lawler. This pick, there's some, it's a little bit of a tough decision too. I'm going to stay high school shortstop and and go Marcella Mayer um, out of California. Um, part of the same high school program, East Lake, that had number one overall pick Adrian Gonzalez and, and 2019 first rounder Keone, Keone Cavaco. Just really like his bat. You know, comparing him to Lawler, I think the, the, the bat might be a little bit better. Maybe not quite as much pop, but I think he's going to have some power down the line. I think he's a definite shortstop. He, he's he's a really good defender there. And and I'm going to lean with this pick. I, I was really torn because, you know, Kumar is Kumar, and he, he was really good this last week. Um, but I'm going to go Marcelo Mayer at number three. I, I just think this guy's a chance to be a star on both sides of the ball at a position that's hard to fill. All right. So, Jim, I have to say, I'm, I'm a little surprised. I thought the uh, the allure of having lighter and rocker, I thought was going to get you. But back to back high school shortstops and Jonathan, you are on the clock. Red Sox at number four. I am going to stop the quote unquote slide of Kumar Rocker right here. It's not really a slide. Um, I, and I will take him with the fourth overall pick. To your point earlier, uh, Jason, about how he was the no doubt about it, I feel like Jim and I threw up enough flares about how that he is not the slam dunk that everyone thought he was. That said, he is immensely talented. Uh, He is an enormous right-hander with two easily plus pitches. You know, I I think he had a little dip of a couple of starts here, but if, you know, if his last start is any indication, he's kind of back on track. To, to dominating. Uh, yes, he does miss a lot of bats with his slider out of the zone, but I actually, I think that he is going to develop enough of a feel uh, that he is going to learn to start landing that pitch in the strike zone because, you know, professional hitters are going to lay off. Uh, but uh, he's got such tremendous swing and miss stuff that uh, there's no way that I would let him uh, get past this spot here. Jonathan, quick, quick question for you. You picked who I would have picked with each of your picks. Did I pick who you would have picked at one and three? Yes. Quick answer. All right. Well, here's uh, here's where I think it gets interesting. The two kind of no doubt about it right-handers off the board, the two elite high school shortstops off the board. Jim, number five, the Orioles, if you were the Orioles, would take. Who do you have in your mock draft going five, Jason? Well, I'm looking at the top 100 list. I should be looking at at the uh, the working top one fifty. I did I did not do a mock. Okay, I'm I'm sad you didn't do a mock. I'm going to go Brady House, high school shortstop, potential third baseman from Georgia. 
you know, he's had a really, really good spring. You know, Brady was very famous going into the showcase circuit last year after being on the showcase circuit as an underclassman the year before and looking spectacular. He tried to do a little too much last year and, and it showed he, he struggled and, you know, he's come back out this spring and he's just let everything come naturally. He, he hasn't tried to, you know, swing for the fences every time. It was about a week ago he faced the guy we're going to be talking a lot about next year, who's a high school pitcher in Georgia, Dylan Lesko, who's a junior who's already up to 98 with at least plus breaking stuff. And Brady House had three hits off three different types of pitches in his first at bat, first three at bats against him. Um, there's big time power. You feel better about the hit and that he's going to get to all that power. He, you know, he, he's a bigger guy. He's 6'3", 210. He, he moves okay at shortstop. I'm sorry about the dogs going berserk in the background here. Um, he moves okay at shortstop. And I think there's, there's more of a chance he stays there than I thought there was coming into the year. Um, and if not, he fits the third base profile fine. The, the, the arm's really good. Um, he's up to 96 off the mound. Um, the comparisons I've gotten are more athletic. Joey Gallo or, or, or Nolan Gorman, who was a first round pick a couple of years ago. Um, and he might be a shortstop. So I, I think his arrow is way up. I'm taking Brady house at five. Yeah. It seemed like early on he got some buzz. And when I say early on, I mean like a year ago that there was some early talk about him being like potential number one overall type of guy. Yeah, there was, I, I think going into last summer, he I'd have to go back and look, but I, I think he was more fam- I mean, definitely more famous than Mayer. And I think he was more famous than Lawler. He, he might've been, you know, the, the, the favorite, if you were taking any of the high school guys to be the number one pick going into last summer. And one of the younger guys on the list, just 17 years old, uh, birthday of June 4th, 2003. And uh, also I remember him being listed as a uh, two-way guy, also a right-handed pitcher, which, uh, is in a scouting report here, we say that he pumps fastballs at 96 miles an hour off the mound, but that's that is no longer a consideration, right? I, I don't know if it ever really was. I, I just think he was a guy who threw hard, so like, yes, you can make him a bit. It's like when Josh Hamilton was coming out, uh, you know, and was an overall pick, and Josh Hamilton was, you know, threw hard and was left handed, and you could have, he could have been a good pick as a left handed pitcher, but you were going to clearly take him as a hitter. I, I think Brady House through hard, but you were always taking him as that, as a position player. All right, Jonathan, pick number six to the D-backs, three high school hitters off the board, two college pitchers. Which way do you go? Well, I think it's time to take a college bat and I'm going to take Henry Davis, the catcher from Louisville. Uh, He's made a a big jump this year. I mean, this is a guy with uh, tremendous arm strength and there were some questions about his his bat, I think, when he kind of entered pro ball. And uh, I think he's he's been answering them uh, the last two years. You know, last year was shortened, but had an 1178 ops. This year he's hitting over 400. Uh, he's hitting for power. He still has the arm strength. Gets uh, unbelievable grades on his off the charts makeup. So he's worked tirelessly to improve his all around game. Uh, so we're getting the guy who's kind of separated himself as perhaps the best college bat in the country. Uh, at a premium position that he is going to be able to, to stay at. And worst case scenario, it looks like the bat is so good that if he has to move, it will play in other places. All right. So a couple of picks here of guys who 
would appear to be making some pretty significant jumps from the preseason top 100 as House was ranked number 12 in the preseason top 100. Jim takes him at number five. And then Henry Davis, the Louisville catcher, was ranked number 26 in the top 100, preseason top 100, and now goes number six to Jonathan. Jim, you're on the clock, number seven to Kansas City. Yeah, we're going to get, I bet we continue that trend for at least a couple more picks. I'm going to take Jackson Job, right handed pitcher, high school righty from Heritage Hall in Oklahoma. He has been spectacular. It's reminiscent of when Dylan Bundy was coming through the Oklahoma high school ranks, and, and guys were talking about how advanced he is and how, you know, they thought Dylan Bundy was going to be very quick through the minors. And, and it's the same thing all over again with Jackson Job. You know, it's, he doesn't have the track record because he hasn't been in college yet. But you know, just comparing him to Kumar Rocker, who's you know obviously everybody knows about Kumar Rocker, Jackson Job, you could grade out better or at least equal to Kumar Rocker in every category. I, I think he's got better fastball command. He's up to 96, 97. It's got super high spin rates and, and riding action and misses bats in the zone. He's got an unbelievable slider that some guys will put an eight on, on the two-date scouting scale. It's got spin rates over 3,000 RPM. It's low to mid-80s. He locates it really well. He can land it where he wants. He obviously doesn't need a third pitch with those two, but he made it a point of emphasis to refine his changeup, which guys say is now a plus pitch with tumble. He'll go right on right with the changeup. He'll throw any pitch, any count. Um, he's got an easy delivery. He's athletic. He's, he's a prospect, but not nearly as much a prospect as a shortstop. I think a little bit of hyperbole give him an eight and two sevens for his pitches with six command. Other guys are like, let's pump the brakes a little bit. It might only be a seven you know, slider and a six fastball and six changeup and, and maybe 55 command. But it's <laughs> the, the, the stuff that's being said about Jackson Job right now is crazy that there is risk with high school righties. That's a demographic that, that scares teams that and high school catchers as much as anything in the first round of the draft. But he's been so good. Uh, you know, I think the last time I checked, not that stats mean a ton, I'd given up like one run and two walks all spring. He's just been so good with the stuff and performance. I don't see how he gets out of the top 10 picks. Uh, you know, in the last couple of years, we've seen the first high school righty, I think, go 14th or 15th and then 18th. He's going to go a lot, a, lot, a lot higher than that this year. Yeah, I remember he, you know, the perfect game national showcase last June. Uh, I remember watching that and they were talking about the fact that a lot of scouts preferred him entering uh, that showcase as a, a shortstop. And then by the time that thing was over, he was clearly a pitching prospect, throwing the 3,100 RPM slider and uh, pumping it up to 96 in that uh, perfect game national showcase. So uh, kind of the, the opposite of uh, Brady House there, the position player, I won't say position player turned pitcher, but in terms of how the scouts viewed him. Jonathan, number eight for the Rockies. I'm turning into like the college guy here, but I'm going to stay the college hitter rank. And uh, another guy who's making a nice jump forward, and that's Sal Frelick from Boston College. You know, this is a guy who entered the spring probably as a maybe back end of the first round kind of guy. Uh, interesting. You know, he's not the biggest guy in the world. Area scouts tend to love him because of his makeup and the way he plays the game. But he has really, really raised his profile because of how well he's impacted the baseball this spring, especially when you compare to other college hitters who are expected to kind of be in this neck of the woods. 
uh, he and Davis have stood out because other guys haven't performed while they have. And, you know, uh, Freilich's uh, hovering right around 360 overall. Uh, he's showing good extra base pop, even though he's only 5'9", but really, really good back control from the left side. Unbelievably advanced approach. He's walked more than he's struck out uh, in his career at Boston College. And uh, he he can really run, so he's going to steal base. And I think one of the, the biggest things that's helped him outside of how well he swung the bat is that he has shown he can play center field. Uh, he hadn't played there before in, in deference to other players and played a corner. He's playing center field now, worked really hard uh, to improve on his reads and routes uh, at the new position. And uh, I don't think there's any question that he can he can stay there. And uh, so that's why I think he's moved himself into the sort of top 10 uh, range uh, when when he'll go in July. All right, so the past three picks ranked number 26, 24, and 25 on the preseason top 100 list. Looks like they will be ranked higher when the top 150 comes out this week. Jim, you're on the clock at number nine for the Angels. Another guy on the rise? Almost. Like, I'm torn. Like, I, I could go – I'm going college pitcher here, and if I wanted to continue the on-the-rise theme, I could go with Gunnar Hogland of Ole Miss, who was 30th on our preseason list. I like Ty Madden just a little bit better. Um, uh, you know, I, I just think Ty Madden has a little bit more power to his stuff. They both throw strikes. They, they both have good builds. Um, you know, I think Ty Madden could be plus fastball, plus slider, pretty solid changeup. So I, I'm going to go Ty Madden. I will, I will end the uh, dramatic rises uh, in our early round or early part of this top 20 uh, draft. And, and I will take Ty Madden of Texas at number nine. Although you could really twist my arm and, and make me take Gunnar Hogland, uh, and I'd be fine with that too. All right, tipping your hand to Jonathan here. Jonathan, number 10 for the Mets. You're going to sneak in and uh, swipe Hogland? I, I think I have to. I am going to take Gunnar Hogland. I think that uh, he has moved himself into, you know, as Jim has said, into, you know, the next best college arm. And I think you probably, you know, might get split camps. You know, you could get a bunch of different reviews on, uh, you know, opinions from scouts in terms of who they prefer, Hogland or, or Madden. And, you know, the, Hogland was a guy back in high school. Uh, you know, the Pirates took him in the supplemental first round, and there were some some issues about his physical, so they, they weren't able to come to a deal. So he went to Ole Miss. He's been in the weekend rotation since, you know, and, and obviously uh, he pitched well last year, but everything got shut down. He is the stuff has ticked up this year a, a bit, which is why I think he's kind of moved up into into uh, into this neck of the woods. Uh, fastball, slider, changeup are all really good. He's got a, a solid curveball as well. He knows how to throw strikes. He's durable, you know. So he, he may he may not be like the sexiest, huge, high upside guy, but he's a really really high floor. And if the stuff continues to tick in this direction then, you know, there's some ceiling there as as well. So I'm happy to to get Gunnar Hogland here to, to, to wrap up our top 10 picks. All right, we are halfway through our draft of the top 20 picks of the 2021 draft. We're going to take a quick break, and when we come back, Jim and Jonathan will make picks 11 through 20 right here on the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Talking about erectile dysfunction isn't easy. Usually, we just brush it off or blame ourselves, saying things like, I lost my mojo, 
or we avoid it altogether with excuses like, I had a long day at work, or sorry, honey, I'm just not feeling it. But with Roman, it is easy to talk about. With a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication, it's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. The healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan. If medication is appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is simple. Just go to GetRoman.com MLB and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle, but now there's Roman. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Go to GetRoman.com MLB today. If approved, you'll get $15 off your first order of ED treatment. Roman is the official partner of Major League Baseball. That's GetRoman.com MLB. GetRoman.com MLB. Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline Podcast. I'm Jason Ratliff here with Jim Callis and Jonathan Mayo. Jim and Jonathan are taking turns making picks. Uh, we are picking the top 20 players in the 2021 draft. Again, as a reminder, this is not a mock draft. Jim and Jonathan are not trying to predict. This is not based on any sort of intel they have on what teams are looking at at this point or who they might take. This is just who they think should be taken with these picks. And it's kind of in conjunction with our the release of our top 150 draft prospects list, which is going up this week. All right, we are through 10 picks. So far, so far four college pitchers off the board, uh, three high school hitters, two college hitters, and a high school pitcher. To quickly run through them, Jack Leiter, Jordan Lawler, Marcelo Meyer, Kumar Rocker, Brady House, Henry Davis, Jackson Job, Sal Fralick, Ty Madden, Gunnar Hoglund, and that brings us to pick number 11, which will go to the Nationals. And Jim, you are up. I'm going to take... Uh, high school shortstop, the, the third one we've had picked so far, for fourth one, I'm sorry, fourth high school shortstop we've had picked so far, Cleo Watson of Wake Forest High in North Carolina. Um, I just really like this guy's tools. You know, he's got a chance to be solid to plus across the board. You know, he, he's five listed 5'9", 180, but he, he, you know, he's one of those guys, I mean, it's a really quick bat and he takes a big swing. And, and even though, you know, it's an aggressive approach, like he makes a lot of hard contact, um, doesn't chase too often. Um, definitely can stay short. But short. He's a plus runner. It's a solid arm. You, you could probably play him almost anywhere in the diamond you wanted. I, I just really like the, what he brings to the table. He, he could do a little bit of everything. So I, I guess that's my third high school shortstop, I think. All right. Khalil Watson at number 11. He was ranked 15 in the preseason top 100 prospects list. Jonathan, you're on the clock at number 12. This pick will go to the Mariners. I don't want to say I'm going to reach because I, I don't think it's that far of a reach. But based on what we've heard from this spring, it's a little bit of reach. And I'm going to I'm going to go high school arm here and take Andrew Painter from the Florida high school ranks from Calvary Christian High School in Florida. Was largely very good on the summer showcase, tailed off a little bit at the end. And this spring, it's it's been good but not great. You know, the the stuff looks okay, but he's been getting hit a little bit. But we're still talking about a guy – with uh, four potential pitches that all could end up being above average to plus coming from a six foot six frame. 
I like the the combination of the stuff and the feel for pitching, you know, so I think that whatever issues he's had this year and the inconsistencies, he's going to be just fine. He's, you know, he's touching 95, 96. He's got a two and four seamer. Uh, he's got, you know, both a kind of standard 12 to six curve and the slider. Uh, he's shown a, a better changeup than you see from a lot of high schoolers. He's not put it all together and, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if he's the kind of high school arm who slips a little bit uh, just because uh, teams get a little nervous on draft day. But, you know, this is a guy that we had, you know, pretty high up on our list. Uh, I'm not giving too much away, you know, to say that he he's dropping a little tiny bit, but not very far. But uh, it's just that that combination of size stuff and feel for pitching always intrigues me. All right. We're through a dozen picks. Interestingly, the numbers three, four, five, Eight and nine players from the preseason top 100 are still out there. Jim, you're up at number 13. This pick goes to the Phillies. Okay, well, I'm going to leave those players uh, still out there for you. We probably should do a quick recap of of the the guys who don't get picked. A couple of them aren't going to get picked in this. I'm going to take Colton Kowser of uh, Sam Houston here with his 13th overall pick. Um, Very happy to get him here. He got off to a little bit of a slow start this year. I wouldn't say guys were souring on him, but they weren't as high on him. Uh, because of that, um, but he's he's really picked it up, and you know this guy was one of the best bats in the college class. I mean, he, he's lefty, left-handed hitter, repeated hard contact, uses whole field, very controlled, advanced approach. And the two questions you had with him coming into the year were were the power a little bit and the speed. Not that he was horribly lacking, but like you know, is it going to be you know at least twenty homer power? And, and he's gone on a power run recently, and I think he's one of these gifted guys that. You know, he's got some strength. He can really put the bat on the ball. I mean, he could still add more loft to a swing too, but he's hit for power. So he's answered that question. And the other one was, you know, he was kind of a solid runner coming into the year, played center field with good instincts. But when you're not a plus runner, you you get some questions. Can you stay in center field? Well, he's running better this year. I I think he's running more plus. He's definitely answered the center field question. You know, it's going to be interesting with him and Frelick because they're kind of similar players. I feel like Frelick might be a little quicker. I feel like Kowser is a little bit stronger and he's, and he's definitely bigger. Um, so he's got more power potential. Um, you know, and Frelick's cooled off slightly and Kowser's on the rise. I'd be curious if the draft were today, which guy goes first? I think they're going to go very close together. So I'm, I'm happy to get Colton Kowser with this pick and, and he'll be excited because I could team him up with Ty Madden, who I picked at number nine because they were high school teammates along with J.J. Goss and Matt Thompson, went in the top two rounds in 2019. So that, that Cypress Ranch High School team in Cypress, Texas, was just absolutely loaded. I bet those guys are celebrating wildly right now. They are. Jonathan, pick number 14 to the Giants. Yeah, I'm going to go. It's an interesting, This we're at an interesting juncture, I think, at this point in our in our little draft here, because you, know, you start wanting to just take guys that you really like, I think, more than anything else. Um, I. I'm going to I'm going to take Sam Bachman from Miami of Ohio. Uh fascinating guy just because the the stuff has ticked way up. This is a guy who was hitting triple digits in the fall with a ton of movement, uh throwing the slider harder as well up into the mid 80s. Uh he's got a good changeup. The question is going to be his command and whether the stuff is is for real. He's gotten in better shape, and I and I think that's helped him repeat his delivery. So he's throwing 
a lot more strikes, um, you know, but there's a little bit of reliever risk. You know, he's not the biggest guy in the, the world. You start worrying about the sort of physically mature, undersized right-handers. But uh, if this strike throwing is for real and the stuff, he's, he's got every chance to start. And I'm going to roll the dice on that. You heard me with that one, Jonathan. I, I was kind of hoping for Sam Bachman at 15. And yeah, it's, I've had guys put eight, eight fastball, eight slider on him when, he, when he's been at his best this year. So it's, uh, it, it's a great arm. All right, Jim, who are you taking at 15 for the Brewers? Yeah, that one stung me a little bit because I was, I was thinking, you know, right now 11 of these 14 picks have come from my half of the country, and I was hoping that Jonathan would take one of his guys and allow me to, to get Sam Bachman at 15. So I'm, I got to regroup here a little bit. I'm going to go – I will go Adrian Del Castillo from Miami. You know, one of the better hitters in the college class he's having – uh, you know, a good, not, you know, unbelievable year. You know, I think there's still question as to whether he's a catcher, but he can, I, I just think this guy's going to be at least a solid hitter with solid power, maybe better than that. Um, I, I think it plays, a, you know, I, I think there's enough bat that I have, I have to put him at first base or, or maybe try left field. That should work. And I, and I do, you know, thinking about, you know, offensive minded University of Miami catchers, I, I do feel like this guy, has a better chance to catch than Zach Collins did when Zach Collins went 10th overall. So I will take Adrian Castillo at 15. And I, th- I want to say, I think I took Adrian Del Castillo at four when we did this exercise, when we launched the top 100 back in December. So I, I will, I will balance on Adrian Del Castillo here at 15. All right, Jonathan, you are up. Pick number 16 for the Marlins. I hope you don't have trouble signing Del Castillo because he's going to remind you that you took him at four and that's where you value him. So we'll, you know, we'll see how that goes once you get to, you know, the, that, that talk. Um, and I'm like, I feel better about the Bachman pick even more now that it, it stymied, stymied Jim. Uh, I'm going to go back to the, you know, the, the college bat ranks, another guy who, you know, has slid a little bit, um, based on where we had him in December. And that's Matt McClain, the shortstop from UCLA. Got off to a really slow start this spring uh, and uh, had a lot of people worrying about, uh, mostly about the swing and miss uh, for a guy who's not like a pure power guy. He's a smaller middle infielder. Uh, He's shown over the course of his time, um, shown over the course of his time that he can play shortstop. Uh, when that was in question, he's improved his arm strength. So uh, you're talking about a guy who has a chance to be an above average or plus hitter. Uh, he's come on a little bit now with the batting. He's got a 10-game hitting streak as we we're recording this. Um, he's not lighting the world on fire, but uh, for a guy who was striking out at an alarmingly high rate, he's really cut down on the K rate, uh, drawn some more walks, getting on base, and his impact back to impacting the baseball at a premium position. So kind of like Del Castillo in the same boat as a guy who was thought to be one of the best college bats and maybe the star has faded a little bit, but he is, uh, you know, got a good chance to, to be a guy who moves quickly through a system. McLean to Jonathan at 16 and Jim, the Reds have pick number 17. You're up. I'm going to take Jordan Wicks out of Kansas state. I don't think there's, there's any question. He's the best left-hander in this draft. Um, you know, K-State has never had a first-round pick, and that's going to change this year. Uh, this guy's got track record performance, Big 12 Conference freshman of the year, 
allowed one run in four starts last year, dominated in, in two summer leagues, and has has pitched well this spring as well. You know, he he's got the best changeup in the draft. It, it's I think you know a seventy changeup, um, low eighties tumbles. Um, he sells it with fastball arm speed. He, he's picked up about five miles an hour since high school. So now he's you know, low 90s and hits 95 with high spin rates to give the fastball riding action. So the changeup plays really well off of it. He's made some progress with his low 80s slider this year. It's looking more like a solid pitch. Um, he also has the feel to kind of shape it into a harder cutter or, or, or even actually spin like a show me curveball. You know, his numbers, like he's given up some hits. He's still striking guys out and throwing a ton of strikes, low effort delivery. He's given up some hits this year. And and, and it's weird because talking to scouts, they're very frustrated that Kansas State, you know, the coaches call pitches in college baseball at most places, has called a ton of sliders this year and not many changeups. So in a way, it's probably good for his development because he's used his slider more, but it hasn't, you know, there are different times where scouts are watching games going like, why is he not using the changeup here? And I had one scout say that they think he flies under, I mean, teams know who he is, but like, you know, kind of, I guess, from a fan perspective, maybe he flies under the radar. And I had one scout say that if you put him on Vanderbilt with their defense and with their pitch calling and, you know, with the ability that this guy has, he might even be in the discussion for the number one overall pick. Now, I think that's a little bit rich, but it just speaks to the ceiling of Jordan Wicks. I really, really like this guy. And, if you want a lefty in the first 20 or 30 picks of this draft right now, he's the only one who, who really belongs there. All right. First left-handed pitcher off the board. Seven righties have gone so far. We're through the first 17 picks. Number 18 goes to the Cardinals and Jonathan. I was hoping uh, that I'd be able to do this uh, towards the tail end, but I'm going to go high upside, high ceiling, little risk reward, high school outfielder in Benny Montgomery from Eastern Pennsylvania, Redland high school. This is a guy who, if it all clicks, has a chance to be a, a superstar. Uh, there's some swing and miss issues uh, that will have to be ironed out, but the raw power is ridiculous. Uh, showed up at summer showcase uh, showcases all summer. Uh, he got to it in games at times. Uh, he is a, a plus runner. Uh, he can throw. Um, he can play center field. You know, he is... Uh, the kind of guy who, again, you're rolling the dice a little bit because the hit tool, there's, it's not a pure hit tool. But we're talking a six foot four can really run. Uh, I remember in the fall, uh, some scouts saw a little Jason Worth in him, just because of the size and and the overall athleticism. So I'm gonna I'm gonna roll the dice and go upside here and think that it is all gonna click once he gets into the pro game. All right, Benny Montgomery of Redland High School in Pennsylvania to the Cardinals at 18 via Jonathan. He was number 21 on the preseason top 100 list. Jim, you are up picking for the Blue Jays at number 19. So I'm going to make you happy with your numerology there, Jason. I'm going to take the guy who was number 19 on our preseason list at number 19. It's, It's my last pick. I'm going to swing for the fences a little bit. I, I think he's a first rounder, but high school catching is kind of a little bit of a scary demographic. I'm still going to take Harry Ford out of, out of North Cobb in Georgia. His, his tools are crazy. Like he's got, you know, for catchers too, he's got some of the best bat speed in the high school, high school ranks. He's got strength and leverage for power. He, this guy ran a, a 6-4-2 60-yard dash at the East Coast Pro Showcase. And, and again, this is a catcher. He's got solid arm strength. He obviously moves well behind the plate. You know, you could 
theoretically, I'm not saying he's Craig Biggio, but he's got that kind of versatility. This guy could be a catcher. He could be a second baseman. He could be a center fielder. Um, you could easily play third. Uh, you could play him almost everywhere. You know, he, he's, you know, inc- I mean, like a lot of high school kids, he could be a little inconsistent at times, but he's also made loud contact against good pitching on the showcase circuit. He just intrigues me. So even though the, the track record of high school catchers in the first round is not good, I'm taking him and, and, and the record's better with guys, the high school catchers first round who are capable of hitting enough and athletic enough to play their position. So I'm going to, I, I will, I will not worry about that demographic and I will take Harry Ford at 19. That leads us to our final pick of this exercise. Jonathan picking for the Yankees at number 20. I'm going to, I'm going to keep it easy because we, we can just duplicate all of what Jim said. Not exactly the same tool set, but the demographic. I'm going to take Joe Mack, the high school catcher uh, from upstate New York, Williamsville East High School, uh, to be precise. Love the the combination of hit and, and power potential. Uh, left-handed hitting catchers are always uh, exciting. Uh, he's got a really good arm, consistently low pop times. Uh, the rest of the defense needs a little bit of work, but uh, there's every confidence that he's going to stick behind the plate. Again, throwing the worries about high school catching and that demographic out the window. That is uh, who I'm going to round things up with. I'm excited about the the upside uh, that I was able to go with here at the tail end of this draft. Wow. So four catchers in the top 20 picks overall. Uh, Demographic breakdown goes like this. Seven high school hitters, two high school pitchers, five college hitters, and six college pitchers. Seven right-handers, one lefty, four shortstops, four catchers, a third baseman, three outfielders, no first baseman or second baseman. And notably, some of the higher-ranked guys uh, from the preseason top 100 uh, that did not go in this draft. Uh, Jim, you you uh, rattled them off here in our uh, Slack channel, Hill, Fabian, and Benellis. Yeah, you know, Jaden Hill out of LSU, you know, was inconsistent beginning of the year and then blew out his elbow, had Tommy John surgery. I still think he goes late first on high end to mid second, you know, is, you know, maybe, you know, probably rather have him as your second pick. Had to have a long track record in LSU, uh, but it's really good stuff. Judd Fabian has been striking out a ton, although he's cut down on his strikeouts recently. But I think, Jonathan, I mean, he's he's your guy. I think he's probably second rounder right now, but shaky confidence that he goes in the second round. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, maybe you bet on the tools and the power, but uh, there are a lot of question marks with the caveat that there's still a ways to go. If he turns it up here down the stretch in conference, then you know, maybe it's a different conversation. Yeah, I mean, the, the 30% strikeout rate at this point, which has gone down, is, is frightening. I mean, I, I like Jaron Kendall a lot a couple of years ago, like you know, and his strikeout rate was in the 20s, and, and, and he's had a rough go of it. And then Alex Benellis is now playing first base for Louisville, not really looking good there. He got off to a terrible start, although he has, I think it's six home runs in the last two weekends total, not six each weekend. <laughs> but he's up to 10 home runs. He's hitting for more power. But you know, guys were not sold on him as a third baseman anyway. Now he's looking shaky at first. I, I think he's you know, third roundish right now. Although if he continues to hit home runs, maybe he can recapture some of that. I, I think it'd be hard for him to go in the first round, but maybe, you know, maybe he can go back in the second. All right. That is the top 20 picks by Jim and Jonathan for the 2021 draft. 
Uh, you can take a look on MLBpipeline.com. We'll have this up in a story format soon. And also keep an eye out for that top 150 draft prospects list, which is coming your way this week. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to look at some of the new additions to the top 100 prospects list. That's coming up next on the MLB Pipeline podcast. This past year has shown us that without your health, you have nothing. If you're not well, you can't work, look after yourself, or take care of your family. You can't enjoy the life you've worked so hard to build. That's why you need to prioritize taking care of your long-term health today, before it goes from good to bad to worse. So invest in your long-term health with Forward. Forward is intelligent medicine with a personal touch. Their doctors are dedicated to catching top killers like cancer and heart disease early before it's too late. And catching them early could save you tens of thousands of dollars in the long run. Everyone's health history is different, which is why Forward doctors personalize a health plan with you based on your genetics, lifestyle, and biometrics to achieve long-term results and ensure nothing gets missed. It's time to invest in a doctor that's invested in you. Go to GoForward.com today to protect your future health. That's GoForward.com. GoForward.com. Welcome back to the MLB Pipeline podcast. Jim Callis, Jonathan Mayo, I'm Jason Ratliff. We've been talking draft. Now we're going to shift our attention to the professionals. The top 100 prospects list has undergone, undergone some changes since the beginning of the season. We've had what about uh, eight guys graduate off the list, I think, maybe nine. And uh, over the past week, we had two players graduate from the list, Dane Dunning and Bobby Dahlbeck, and they have been replaced on the list by Seth Corey, who is now number nine, uh, 99, uh, Giants pitcher, and Reds shortstop Jose Garcia has moved into the number 100 spot. And Jim, why don't you tell us a little bit about Corey? Yeah, I really like Seth Corey. I, you know, I do our Giants list, um, and you sometimes can be higher on guys you talk a lot about. But you know, this guy, there's just so much to like about him. He's an all-state safety, playing high school football in Utah. He tore the ACL in his knee as a junior. Came back. Um, I know we're, we're pressed for time, so I won't pop quiz you guys. But he was the best. Utah high school prospect since Mark Pollock. I don't know if you guys remember him. Was a Cubs first rounder in 2005. Signed for a million dollars as a third rounder in 2017. He's one of those guys. He was athletic and he had raw stuff. And it took him a while to figure it out. But in, in the second half of 2019, he just got much more consistent with his delivery. You know, toned down the tempo a little bit. Started throwing a lot more strikes. And he was spectacular. You know, the last time we had him on our league season, he was second in the minors in ERA, fourth in strikeouts, fifth in strikeout rate, uh, third in opponent average, led the Sally League in all those categories. And then you couldn't see him last year. I mean, because with the pandemic, he, the Giants had only veteran pitchers go to their alternate site, so he wasn't there. And then because he wasn't at the alternate site, they decided not to bring him to instructional league because they wanted him to stay on his regular offseason programming. So, like, if scouts didn't get to see this guy at all, but he's got a really good curveball with downer action that he commands very well. You know, he doesn't have trouble landing it for strikes. And, you know, it's, you know, 90, you know, you know low 90s. 
uh, up to 96. Um, I just realized I said something that was totally wrong. He was an instructional league. I'm confusing him with somebody else because I'm looking here at my notes. He was 93, 95 in instructional league. So scratch the instructional league part of that. And his changeup got better last year too. So I, I think we're looking at an athletic three-pitch lefty who's figured out to throw strikes. I really wanted to see how he was going to build on that, that great second half of 2019 last year, which he didn't get a chance to do. But I, I'm, I'm even more eager now to see what he does in 2021. Yeah, so there's someone we haven't seen in a while, and, and you know, many people probably haven't seen at all, considering he hasn't pitched above Class A ball. The next guy we want to talk about, another guy who we hadn't seen above single A. He played at high A in 2019, but then last year made the jump to the big leagues. was one of several players uh, because of the unusual circumstances last year that made the jump from uh, A ball uh, all the way up to the big leagues. Ended up playing in 24 games for the Reds last year. So people have seen him a little bit, but uh, I don't think we got a good taste for, uh, you know, what's in store down the road, Jonathan. Right. I mean, and that's why he's landing on the top 100 now. And I think, you know, I, I pumped the brakes a little bit on him just because, and not, you know, the, the time he spent in the big leagues and he didn't hit, you're not going to put too many eggs into that basket. But it made me pause long enough. Uh, but this was a guy who was trending upwards uh, in terms of what he was doing with with the bat, uh, you know, from low A to to high A. And he's you know was young for for each level. Uh, and when he was in the Florida State League in 2019, he 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 everything ticked upwards. His approach got better. There was a little more extra base authority. All of it looked good. Uh, struggled a bit in the fall league, but. Uh, that's you know not a, a shock for a guy going from a ball after 450 plate appearances. Um, so the hope is that that trending upwards in the offense will come back once he's once he's back in in the minor leagues. You know, keeping in mind that he should have been in Double A in 2020, had a big spring, ended up uh, had a need, and then you know even once he seated the starting job, he was being used as a defensive replacement because that's. That's really what his bread and butter is. He can really defend. Uh, it's a combination of uh, athletic ability and range and arm, and but he's got a really good internal clock and very good instincts to to play up the middle. He's played on both sides of second base in the minors, so he could do <clears throat> he could do either as needed. But he could, he can really play shortstop like at a Gold Glove level, I believe. And so then it's going to be a question of the bat and uh, you know putting him on the top one hundred now. I think I think he's going to get himself righted. Uh, you know, and he can get his regular allotment of at-bats. I don't think there's any pressure for him to get back to the big leagues quickly or anything of that nature. Um, and, and hopefully the bat comes along and then we're looking at a, a really good all-around shortstop who leads with the glove but has uh, has enough bat to to be a real impact player. All right, that updated top 100 prospects list is at MLBpipeline.com. Seth Corey and Jose Garcia, the two most recent additions to that list, you can check it out at MLBpipeline.com. All right, we're going to wrap up uh, with the mailbag, as we always do. And since we're talking Reds, and since we got a little bit of time here, we had one question here that wasn't really submitted as a mailbag question, but uh, a reply to an MLB Pipeline tweet earlier in the week and uh, had some prospecty uh, goodness to it. Jay Bruce announcing his retirement. He was the number one overall prospect in 2008. We, we tweeted out, you know, that he was the number one overall prospect in 2008. Pinstripe Alley, uh, which I'm sure many of our listeners are familiar with, 
tweeted out in response, former number one overall prospect, thought experiment. If Jason Dominguez had this exact career, 106 WRC plus, 13 seasons, 319 home runs, that's a, that's a success, right? Interesting question. Jim, Jonathan, what do you think? Is it a success? Yeah. It, will it fall well short of the, the hype? By, by a lot. You know, I think the the hope, I don't want to say the expectation, because you know, obviously Jason Dominguez has yet to play an inning of professional baseball, but the hope is that he is a, a generational kind of player um, who who far surpasses those levels of production. Now, this is taking nothing away from from Jay Bruce's career. Uh, you know, he, yes, he was our number one prospect. He's kind of like low key uh, in terms of our, our number one prospects. And he went on to have, you know, a, a very, very strong career. Small tidbit back when we were doing uh, you know, regular video shows, Jason, I don't know if you remember this, but uh, in the uh, sort of preview video montage for or around the Miners show, uh, we used for quite some time. Uh, a clip we had Jay Bruce mic'd up at the home run derby uh, in the Florida State League uh, all-star game, if I if I remember correctly. Um, you have to go back and look at it. Although now I'm remembering, I think it was someone else. He was mic'd up and then someone else thought he had won. Anyway, I'm going down a rabbit hole here. But uh, Jay Bruce, yeah, I mean, he was not your typical number one prospect. Uh, probably didn't hit for as much average. He's from that 20, uh, 2005 draft. That included all the, the incredible high school outfielders uh, from Justin Upton up top. Uh, Andrew McCutcheon uh, was in that draft as well. Uh, many, many other, uh, not a lot of ton of college players too, but unbelievable draft. But, you know, I think 14 seasons and over 300 homers is, and, and you know, over 950 runs batted in is something that Jay Bruce can look back with, uh, with, with pride. And I, and I apologize for going down that one man trip down memory lane there, but uh, that was fun. So you're saying you don't want me to talk about when I uh, gave Jay Bruce the Baseball America Minor League Player of the Year Award and went to Cincinnati, and so I won't. But um, no, I, the first part, you know, when you were answering the question, Jonathan, I, I agree with you. It, it's just funny with the expectations, and I know I'm the guy who keeps writing about Jason Dominguez being compared to Mickey Mantle and Mike Trout and Bo Jackson, so no pressure there, Jason. Um, but yeah, it's um, – it's just the nature, I think, of prospects and expectations is everybody dreams of ceilings. And and sometimes, like, you look at Jay Bruce in that career, and I'm sure there's some people who go, man, if the guy was supposed to be the number one prospect in baseball, like, he wasn't, you know. But, like, <laughs> that, that's a really good career. And it, it just it, – it always reminds me of when people look at Pat, Bur Pat Burrell, who, when I was covering college baseball for Baseball America, I, was just the most devastating hitter I saw. Like, he, he was unbelievable. And he went number one overall in the 1998 draft. And, and I'm sure, you know, people think about Pat Burrell, like, oh, well, he didn't really live up to that. Well, if you kind of look at his career, it kind of fits, like, neatly, like, right in the middle of how number one picks have turned out. And, you know, Pat Burrell hit 292 homers in the big leagues, and he hit – he hit 253, which shocks me because I would have thought, you know, he'd, he'd hit 300. I mean, he was just so devastating. But, like, that's a good career. You know, I, I think he even got a, a World Series ring toward the end with the, with the Giants, too. And and so it's just as much as, you know, it's, prospects are fun. People get excited about prospects. I actually sold Burl short. He got two World Series rings because he got one with the Phillies. But, you know, everybody gets all excited about what these guys can be. And if they don't reach their ceiling, I think sometimes view, people view that as a disappointment rather than saying, you know what, that guy wound up being a pretty good player. So 
you know, I, I guess I'll, I'll leave the leave the mailbag with this. Jason, Jonathan, 319 homers, over or under for Jason Dominguez? Wow. <laughs> and gonna, we're going to save this and, and, and play it back in, in 25 I, years I'm from now. I'm going to abstain. Ah, oh, come on. You're no fun. Can't do I'll take the under. You're mean. Uh, Jay Bruce, had, since he debuted in 2018, had 10 seasons with 20 or more home runs. How many players do you think had to be more? Clear. You, did, you, said, you said 2018. He debuted in 2008. 2008. 2008. So he's had, he's had 10, 20-plus home run seasons in essentially since the he, last 14 years, counting yeah. this one. Um, I will say, thinking of Miguel Cabrera and Albert Pujol, I'll say four. There's only been one. Wow. Nelson Cruz. So I was wrong all the way around. Uh, there, there were, there were uh, I think there were four others who, who have also had 10, and Pujols was one of them. I think Cabrera might have been one of them as well, but like big, big names. Interestingly, he also he had 18 or more homers for each of his first 10 seasons. And in that span, only one other player did that, and you would never guess who it is. So I'll tell you, it was Brian McCann. I was definitely going to guess that. Jim <laughs> I could I could hear the words forming on on Jim's tongue. All right, quickly, let's move on to our final mailbag question. This goes back to our draft that we did at the top of the show. Uh, Tyler Matthew at Tyler Matthew Six asks: Has Meyer surpassed Lawler? And I guess by the results of our draft. Well, this is just the two of you uh, making your picks, but Lawler went one pick ahead of Meyer. Uh, does that answer the question? I don't know if that answers the question, but I think they're pretty neck and neck. I mean, Lawler was striking out kind of surprisingly a lot earlier in the season. Not that you're buying into high school stats, but he's now gone seven straight games without a strikeout. I, I talked to a team with a high pick who was at a game with the scouting director from team with an even higher pick. And they saw Marcelo Mayer make three or four errors in the game. Um, you know, it's, I mean, they're high school shortstops. There's going to be some inconsistencies. I do think some teams could have Mayer ahead of Lawler, but I, I don't think that would be the consensus right now. Yeah, I, I'd agree with that. I think, yeah, if you, it depends on who you ask. And I think we even touched on that in the, in, in the, in the draft. Like, I, I think that, uh, it's going to be depending on when you see him and who saw him when. You know, the fact that there were some decision makers who may have, who saw Marcel Mayer not uh, not play well? That could impact him, but it was one look. They're just getting started, uh, you know, so he's not played a ton this spring, and I think that impacts things somewhat. Uh, but I think you know either one, you know, e- either one would be a very very good pick, and I think you know there's going to be some private workouts and things like that that may determine their their ultimate. Uh, status in the first round. All right. Thanks to Tyler Matthew for that question. Thanks to everyone for listening. That's going to do it for this week's episode of the MLB Pipeline Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts so you don't miss an episode. If you're enjoying the show or have any suggestions, leave us a rating and a review. Thanks for listening, everybody. See you next week.